Conservative Protestants, by and large, no longer hold out hope that they can keep pornography out of their nation and communities. It's in their churches and their homes. For a growing number, it occupies their smartphones and their minds. Well, that's a quote from Samuel Perry's book, Addicted to Lust, and this is part six in my series, looking at the chapters of his book, which cover how do conservative Protestants respond to the issue of pornography. And so Samuel Perry says, as a result of pornography being in the lives of Christians that we have unleashed the purity industrial complex, which I guess this channel is technically a part of. And so we've really tried to figure out how can we help address the issue of pornography in the lives of Christians? And so today on this video, we're gonna talk about what does the research say actually works to bring people out of a dependency and a struggle and an addiction to the issue of pornography. And we're gonna primarily look at three groups of people and divergent views on the topic. First, you have this idea of pragmatism. That's like what practical things actually work and which group of Christians prefer that method. Next, you have what Samuel Perry calls the pietistic idealism, which is a heart focus first and foremost. And so that tells people you've got to focus on the heart. You have to change the heart before you're going to see outward behavior change. Also, the impact of biblicism. That is the idea that if the Bible doesn't give you a specific verse and tell you to do that, then we wouldn't recommend or coach someone to go along that route. But I've really liked this book because Samuel Perry takes an outside of the box look because he's not a Christian, but he's taking stats and research and looking at what do Christians say and do to address the issue of pornography. And at the end of this video, I'm gonna tell you how I respond. What's my perspective? How do I respond to somebody who contacts me wanting help for their struggle with the issue of pornography? And I'm gonna tell you the one thing I think is missing in the research because with all the pastor interviews and all the views that he shows in his book, there's one thing that they don't talk about and we'll cover that at the tail end. Well, if we go back to the 90s and the early 2000s, the dominant view for helping Christians with an addiction like pornography was to use a secular psychological therapeutic approach. And ultimately it was a very pragmatic approach. And that is, let's look at what actually works. How would you tell somebody, here's some practical things that you can implement in your life to walk in freedom. But within the last decade, Samuel Perry's research shows that we've really shifted our paradigm and that what we are really telling people to do is that they must focus on their heart and ultimately to grow in freedom from the issue of like pornography, we have to see heart transformation first and foremost. So some people who are in that camp who really advocate for the heart transformation will often not even tell you to do anything practical. They're going to say, you've got to address the heart and let God change the heart. And so we're going to see a divergence of views among various levels of authority. So for example, he's going to talk about the thought leaders and the authors, the kind of the big wigs in the Christian community and how they respond to the issue of pornography. They're the ones that are going to emphasize this heart transformation first and foremost. So he says they emphasize the primacy of heart transformation, repentance and faith in God's word, and the gospel over and above extra biblical techniques, strategies, or disciplines. Okay, so those are the thought leaders and the authors, but what about grassroots pastors? If you talk to pastors who are counseling people in their pews, how do they tend to respond? Grassroots pastors in these traditions, however, ostensibly embrace those perspectives, but they more often advocate more therapeutic and pragmatic strategies for success. And so they're beginning to merge both. They may talk about some of the heart transformation issues, but they also tend to talk about the pragmatic issues as well. Now, here's where it gets interesting. When you talk to people, and so Samuel Perry has a number of interviews that he talks about, and you ask them how they came to freedom from an issue of pornography, what do they say works? Well, they say this. And practically none of the laity describes anything like a change in beliefs or values that contributes to their discontinuing 
pornography use. And really the divergence in views here has to do with how we approach the issue of counseling. One recent debate that is less well known centers on the extent to which principles from secular psychology may be integrated with the Bible in order to counsel believers towards sanctification and improved mental health. And so here we have this idea of biblical counseling where we would say the Bible has everything that we need and taken to an extreme, you may say, hey, if the Bible doesn't say to do that, then I'm not going to recommend it in my counseling of getting you off of pornography. Well, really, I tend to be more of an integrationist where I'm recommending both. I'm using the scriptures to counsel and to help people, but also there are some very practical things that I'm also trying to get them to implement. One example is exercise. So exercise from a secular psychological perspective is what is known as a keystone habit, and keystone habits tend to impact other areas. So I'm constantly recommending guys exercising, and especially if you're in a recovery program from an addiction like pornography, I want to challenge you to exercise five to six days a week. Now, do I point to a verse and say, here's the verse that says why you should exercise? Now, maybe the closest I could get would be 1 Timothy 4.8, which says bodily training is of some value, but it says godliness is of, is of value in every way. And so I don't really have a verse that says, you know, this verse says that you should jog early in the morning, but certainly we could talk about verses that talk about discipline and that idea of exercise being a keystone habit is once you implement it, what you're doing is you're building discipline and building that discipline into your life begins to pour out into other areas as well. Okay, so that brings me to two views on Christians who use pornography. Is it one, simply a bad habit, it's a physical habit, something that you've got ingrained into your life that you must break, or is it a lack of belief in the gospel? So one would say it's a physical habit. The other would say it is truly a heart problem where you're not believing the gospel. And so we're going to talk about two authors who take these two divergent approaches. And so Samuel Perry quotes author Bob Gesh, while acknowledging that the guidelines should be heart motivated, the philosophy underlining Gresh's advice views sexual purity as primarily a physiological habit or compulsion that is most effectively addressed by developing better habits. On the other side, Pastor Tim Chester said this, In reality, it's God who changes us through His grace. The only true spiritual discipline in the Christian life are faith and repentance, actions that direct our attention to God's gracious activity. And so, on the extreme end of the biblical counseling and heart transformation, they may reject any practical advice that you would give to the addict or the struggler. But what are the most important practical steps one can take? Some authors suggest basically nothing other than meditating on the truths of the Bible. So on the one side, we're saying we need some behavioral change. You've got a bad habit in your life, looking at pornography, masturbating, and we want to build some better habits. On the other hand, you're saying we have an issue of the heart, a belief problem. And what we really want to see is heart change where you begin to believe and live out of the truths of the gospel. Is this simply a bad behavior? If you talk to pastors in the pews, how are they actually counseling men and women in their congregations when this issue of pornography comes up? So pastors were asked, what's your counsel for men and women in the church struggling with pornography? The most consistent theme that emerged was a surprisingly pragmatic behavioral emphasis, even among those who ostensibly stressed the centrality of the gospel in bringing out lasting heart change. So there was an emphasis here from pastors that there needs to be some behavior immediately put into place before we allow the heart to be transformed. So a lot of these pastors perhaps did 
emphasize the issue of the gospel in addressing our guilt and our shame, wanting to help people come to the foot of the cross of Jesus, there lay your sin of pornography and sexual sin down to receive the forgiveness that God has given you. In fact, one pastor wanted to recommend first and foremost that all access to pornography would be cut off. The behavioral change came first. The heart work followed. Indeed, the heart transformation depended on the behavioral change. Now, I think from an understanding of neuroscience and addiction that this is incredibly powerful, that we want to see people make it somewhere between six to nine months of freedom from their addiction before their brain is even ready to see some transformation. My goal in letting these pastors speak for themselves is not necessarily to point out contradictions, but rather to highlight how their counsel itself represents a tension between an adherence to certain theological commitments, reflecting pietistic idealism and biblicism, and pragmatic concerns. And so pastors are tending to blend the two, practical and also heart change in the gospel. But here's where it gets interesting. What do people who have actually gained freedom and found sexual integrity say about what it was that helped them to eliminate pornography from their lives. While they certainly made reference to God's empowerment in their answers, none described a significant change in their beliefs and values at any point in time. Rather, virtually all seemed to recall a catalog of practical steps they took, either to eliminate access to the source of their struggle, or talk about the temptations with other Christians. And so what do people tend to say was helpful in getting to freedom from pornography? First, eliminating access to pornography. Second, community focus, finding a small group. Now, I like this because it's one of the things that I'm constantly recommending. One of the first things I'll say is, can you find a small group? Can you get it with a group of other men and women who will come alongside you and you join that group from here until forever? Like you join a small group community, there in that community you can find accountability and freedom. And so here we see in the research the importance of that community. So he says, for those who were not closely connected to their church, Porn use increased no matter how often they prayed and read their Bible. And so the statistics would say those who tried to get to freedom on their own really weren't able to do that. It was in the importance of community and church involvement that people began to find freedom. Okay, so we've talked about the varying different views, but how do I tend to counsel somebody who's struggling with the issue of pornography? Now, within the last few weeks of shooting this video, I have talked to four men who have come to me to want to talk about their struggle with pornography. And so as I was reading this chapter and breaking down Samuel Perry's thoughts of what do pastors and leaders and ministers say, it was good reflection for me to say, well, what am I actually saying? Am I falling in line with some of this research? Am I maybe recommending things that aren't helpful? But what's interesting, one of the pastors that he quotes here in the book, he and I seem to see eye to eye. So he said, before I give any statements, I'll try to ask as many questions as possible. I'll ask how often, when is it? How are you accessing it? But I'll ask, what are you feeling the moment before you give in? I think that could potentially tell you about the deeper why. I try to get a, a sense of their story. Every person is different. Every person's struggle with an issue like this is different. Now, there may be some similarities. I can often relate with my own story, my own struggle with addiction to this, but I'm gonna ask, when did this start? How long has it been going on? How often have you been viewing it? I'm trying to get a sense. You know, you may found, so one of the guys I talked to started when he was 10 years old. He's in his 20s now. So you're talking over 10 years of a battle and an addiction with pornography. Maybe you'll find out that it's something they're only viewing once every six months. They've looked at it three or four times. They feel really bad about it. Well, that's telling me that the nature of this struggle is probably not something I'm gonna call an addiction, but I'm trying to get a background, trying to understand their story. Because ultimately, I believe we cannot disconnect practical steps and heart transformation. I am recommending both. I'm talking about both. I am gonna recommend 
some of those practical steps. Let's eliminate access to pornography. So one of the young men that I was talking to, I said, hey, what's the access? What's the source? And of course it was the smartphone. So I said to him, hey, listen, your smartphone is a problem. He agreed because his smartphone is now something that is associated with this addiction. When he has alone time with his smartphone, it's a significant problem. He needs to look at something like Covenant Eyes, get something on there, which is really what I ultimately recommended him to do. And I think you can make a biblical case for both of these things. For example, in Matthew 5, Jesus told us to cut out our eye, to cut off our hand, if it's causing us to sin. Now, I don't think Jesus actually wanted us to maim our bodies, but I do think he wanted us to see how serious sin was, that we should eliminate anything from our lives including a smartphone that is causing us to fall into sin because this is that serious. And so we have the practical side that you've got to eliminate access to those things, but we also have this call to radical transformation. Romans 12, 2 says we shouldn't be conformed to this world, rather we should be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So when I answer the question, how am I helping young men? How am I counseling them? I'm doing the practical things and also challenging them on that heart transformation. I tend to put it in three ways, and this gets me to the one thing that I believe has been lacking in a lot of the advice. In fact, here in Samuel Perry's chapter on this, none of the pastors talked about this, the thing that I think is lacking. So first we have what I call the journey of the heart. That's understanding your story, writing out your story, understanding how your, your wounds and the, the things that you've been through impact your desire to perhaps medicate with something like pornography. We want to confront and analyze the lies that we're believing and replace them with the truths of God's Word. Now, that's some, not something you do in an afternoon seminar. That is a new way of evaluating, of evaluating life. And doing that in the context of a small group is incredibly powerful as you have some accountability and some people come alongside you. So that's first, journey of the heart. Second, I talk about the defense. And the defense is really practical stuff. That's, hey, get something like Covenant Eyes. Let's eliminate access. Let's build some walls and barriers to prevent you from going where you don't want to go. And the reason that's important is that you want that defense to give you the space from your addiction so that you can walk in freedom. Defense doesn't solve your problem, but it gives you the space to recover and to find a new way of living. But the thing that I believe is truly lacking is the last thing that I call building your offense. You see, it's very difficult to stop a bad habit. What you ultimately need to do is build a better one. You've got to answer the question, what is my life about? It's answering the question, what's better than pornography? Well, what's better than pornography is real life intimate relationships. What's better than pornography, which is using and abusing others for your pleasure, is serving others and finding a life calling and purpose. So for me, my offense is this soul fire ministry that I do. It's helping the men, the ones that called me and asked for help. It's, it's trying to help them journey toward integrity. I don't want to be taking from others with something like pornography. I want to be giving back. I want to be serving. Isaiah 58.10 says, If you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as noonday. You see, God gives us a clue that how are we going to find true ultimate life and how are we going to come out of the darkness? It is going to be helping others. It is going to be serving. So we must build an offense. I thought it was incredible that it was lacking in the research. None of the pastors were saying, listen, you've got to find out what your calling is. You have to come before God and say, what is the purpose that you have given me? Because all the research shows that a lack of purpose is one of the key drivers for addiction, especially in men. So it's easy to focus, as some of the authors and some of the thought leaders do in the Christian community, on some lofty thoughts and to talk about heart change and if you just believe the gospel more. But one thing is clear, 
The research is showing that we can't ignore the practical steps. When it comes down to it, you're going to have to have that person stop the bleeding. Let's eliminate pornography from your life. Let's make it extremely hard to go there, maybe for a year or two, so that you can have a lifetime of freedom. One of the things I challenge the young men to do is, let's say you have an average life expectancy of 77, somewhere in your mid-70s. If you're in your early 20s, then you have perhaps 50 more years that you can live. Well, how hard would you be willing to work for a year or two to find freedom from an addiction to pornography so that you could have 50 years of freedom? You see, to me, doing that difficult work, making it as hard as it can be to fall back into that sin for a year or two while you come to that journey of the heart, while you see some heart transformation would be so worth it. Picture for yourself 50 years of freedom from pornography. What would that look like for you? Would that be worth achieving, even if achieving it is going to be incredibly difficult? That's one of the reasons that I recommend exercise almost immediately. I want you to get up early, go for a jog, get sweaty, get the blood flowing, begin to build a new way of living, begin to build some of those disciplines in your life. And the research has shown us the two most helpful things is eliminating access and finding Christian community. You've got to get in a small group. Find one in your church. If you don't have one, pester your pastor till he starts one. Pester some of the leaders in your church. Maybe you can invite some guys or some girls and say, hey, I want to start a group. Let's find some content. I can put some links uh, to resources that you can use in the description of this video. Definitely consider getting in a small group. But also one of the things that this shows us is that it's very difficult to articulate heart change. So I think for those who came to freedom from pornography, none of them mentioned that it was believing the gospel more, but I would bet you if you could ask more clearly, that was part of the process to recovery, that they began to live out of the truths of the gospel but it's extremely difficult to articulate. You know, my heart has changed. I believe and I'm thinking differently than I was before. You see, if you're addicted to pornography today, 12 months from now, we would want to see some radical change. What are the changes that you need to put in place? Do whatever it takes to do that detox period of six to nine months to find that freedom. You see, because after detox, neurologically, you'll be able to make better, more rational decisions. You'll find the temptations are easier to say no to, and you really can see transformation. This is Jason for Soul Fire, and I'll catch you in the next one.